turn with me to John chapter 4? We're going to start there, and then we're going to move from there, but we're going to start with John chapter 4. And I spoke to you not too long ago about the Samaritan woman. Um, the Samaritans were an outcast, seen as a mixed breed, contaminated part of the house of Israel. Matter of fact, those very sincere, very devout Israelite people didn't even consider them a part of Israel anymore. They were just outcast. If a Samaritan's shadow passed over an Israelite's food, they would throw the food out. Y'all get that? I mean, that's hatred. That's, they're so unclean that if just their shadow passes over our food, we need to throw it out. There's, there's people over in India right now that are considered that way. In their caste system, the group that's called the untouchables, the only job that they will allow an untouchable to have is to come in and clean their commodes. So a meager lifestyle, I mean, and they're born into it. It's not a fault that they've committed or some type of crime that they committed that puts them on the low end of the, the scale. They're just born into that family. They're born into that lineage. And because of that, in their culture, they're not allowed to do anything other than clean commodes. And, and whatever kind of meager life that they can, can, can eke out just to get some food on their table. And the rest of the people look at them like, that's what you deserve. That's who you are. Apparently, in your previous life, in the Hindu system, reincarnation, in your previous life, you must have been a really bad person. So their God uh, caused you to be born into that kind of family. So if we help you out of your situation, then you, we're just condemning you to have to relive it in another life. Because they believe the only way you can earn your way out of that is to live good in that station. And then maybe the next time you're born, you'll come back another way. Let me just clarify, folks. Reincarnation is not a biblical doctrine, Okay. So we'll just leave that where it is. But here you've got a Samaritan woman through no fault of her own. She was born a Samaritan. She's living up there in, in uh, Samaria. And, uh, and, uh, but she's being looked down. Matter of fact, the Jews, when they were traveling to the north part of Israel, instead of going the short route through Samaria, would circumvent it. They would go around in order to avoid even have any kind of contact or any kind of, in their mind, contamination by going through Samaria. If they had to step into Samaria, they would knock the dust off their feet because they didn't want to carry any of that uncleanness with them. They would shake out their robes and, and stomp off their feet to, to get that dirty soil off of them. They were unclean. And here you have a woman that we find when we look at the story that she is someone that, that has been married multiple times. And so there's a stigma that surrounds her with that. Uh, Jesus comes into this area with his disciples, and I don't want to spend too much time talking about her, but, but Jesus comes into this area, and while his disciples go off, Jesus stays by the well, and a lady comes to draw some water from a well, and they enter into a dialogue. I'm not going to read the whole dialogue, but what really stood out to me was, was verse 10, where Jesus had just asked this lady, you know, he's been traveling, he's probably dry in his mouth from those dusty roads and he asks her for something to drink and she's startled that a jew would ask her for something to drink and then jesus responds in verse 10 so i'm in john chapter 4 and verse 10 jesus replied and said if you only knew the gift god has for you and who you are speaking to you would ask me and i would give you living water I'm going to read it again. If you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me 
and I would give you living water. She responds and said, you don't even have a rope. You don't even have a bucket to draw from. How would you give me living water? If you only knew. You know, folks, I, am, I, am, I live with this excitement and this anticipation. Um, there's something about the body of Christ that's alive and dynamic. And I mean, we can all look at each other and we can see imperfections and flaws and we can see all kinds of things that could be better about our, I can look at my own life with things like that and and we could we get around each other and we hear somebody say something we can find all those things i love what god's doing i live with an anticipation what god can accomplish through us all god's got gifts and talents 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 and purposes and things that he desires to work through us and isn't it beautiful that he chooses people like us to work through if you go back and look at the Bible and you see the people that God chose and you really examine their lives over and over again, you'll see flaws, you'll see failures. And I was thinking this morning and, and thinking about Paul. You know, Paul did vile things to the people of God and yet God chose him. And you can go back through different ones in the Bible and look at how they lived their life and you, Jacob, the treacherous one, the deceiver, and yet God chose him to be the one through whom he would pass the anointing and the bloodline. And I was talking to the Lord about that. And the Lord said, we judge based on performance. But a lot of times, God judges on sincerity. Michael Cobb and I had a brief conversation about that in the, uh, in the sanctuary. And Michael, what was that word that you used? Intention. A lot of times when, when in, in our own lives, we judge ourselves based on our intentions. We may not have got it right. We may not have, it may not have worked out the way we intended it to work out. But our intentions were good. But other people look at us and they, they judge us based on our performance. Well, they failed me. Or they didn't do what I was expecting them to do. They're judging our performance. But we understand what our intention was. I'm glad that God can see what our intention is and not just judge us based on our performance. Do you get that? It's so easy to criticize people and not really understand where their heart is. Now, God is intentional towards us that he doesn't leave us the way he found us. And if we have any kind of disillusion that makes us think that God just wants us to stay the way we are, and somehow he's come alongside us to protect us and keep us in a safe place to where he doesn't want anything about our life to change, we're misinterpreting what the grace of God is all about. Because this grace that he has given us is all about transformation and change. And so we need to cultivate an attitude in our own heart and an atmosphere in our life that embraces the intentions of God to help us change and get better as we go through life. Thank God he didn't come to leave us the way he found us. He's got higher and better for us. If we will keep walking the journey with him, we will walk out the things that he intends for us. So let's give everyone a little bit of a break. Let's learn to love people. Where's Randy at? Randy's, Randy had a good word for me this morning, and uh, he's close. <laughs> but um, 
he, he said something, I may get it wrong, but he said something to me at the back when I, when I stepped out for a moment. He, he said that he heard something this morning, and he said, it's not about you living, working so hard to live your life for him, but it's about us letting him live our life through us and him, him living his life through us and letting him come in there and, and do the changing and do the transformation. I love that. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. So let's take just a little time and run back through a few things. There, I, I've been captivated by this. I've been seeing something that I hadn't seen before, and I just have to go back and touch on it. But remember, we went back to Genesis chapter 2 a while back, and we started talking about the river of life that was there in the garden. We always focused on the river of, uh, I mean, the, I'm sorry, the tree of life. And, and there was a river of life that flowed there also. But the, we always focus on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But there was a tree of life in the garden. God's intention was to bring life to us. There was also a river in that garden that brought life. And it was split four ways. And uh, it, it goes through it and, and talks about that. But there was this river that flowed in that place. And it is what sustained and brought life to that whole region. Now let's jump over from there. There's another river that's spoken of in Ezekiel chapter 47. What's really amazing, if, would you turn there if you have your Bibles or if, you got your, if, you're, if you're using your telephone uh, to do that, just stop with Candy Crush for just a minute and uh, hopefully you're not doing that. So 47, what's amazing in the position of this of this passage right here and and i believe god's very intentional intentional in in how he he arranged the bible you realize that ezekiel had this amazing vision where he in very precise detail very precise detail describes the dimensions of god's temple and it, it was a supernatural vision it wasn't just about him walking through a building and being able to see things he described it in in very precise detail and he comes through talking about all the implements of the temple and he was laying out some things so that future generations would know what God's temple had looked like because the temple was destroyed. But God gave him this vision and he describes the, the, uh, the vessels that were inside the temple. He describes what they did in the temple. He describes how the altar was set up. He describes the, the holy of holies and the holy place and then the, the inner court, the outer court. He gives the dimensions for the gates and the porticos in that place, the ex outside rooms and how they were located. It's, a, it's like a master plan written out, not drawn out. But after he's gone through all the details of those type of things, it comes to vo verse 47. And in verse 47, here you've had the plan for the temple laid out. You've had the dimensions for the temple laid out. And then it describes something very unusual and very different. Because it says, and in my vision, verse 1, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and there I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. So here you've had all the structural, structural things being identified, and you've had vessels being identified, and there's all this specific, but all of this is very static and very... Um, it's materials and vessels and, and all of a sudden there's this living thing. It's a river, but it's a flowing thing coming out from the temple of God. And as you go through this thing, and it's not my intention to spend a whole lot of time focused on this today, 
but it says it's flowing out of the temple and it flows around the altar and then it goes towards the east gate and the angel takes him out of the north gate so okay the temple's laid out so that the temple's actually facing east and the altar's here and that river is flowing out like this and then it goes around the altar and then it goes towards the east gate the angel takes Ezekiel out the north gate and brings him around the side so that he can see that the temple is, uh, see, see where that river is going. And then he begins to describe the river um, more fully. As that river comes out, and I know that here in this, in, um, it's interesting, it comes the volume of the river seems to increase as it extends out from from the temple what you see coming out of the temple is not the same volume as what you see outside of the temple it's like it's increasing as it goes so the angel brings him and the the angel begins to measure and in a lot of the the uh, again I'm reading out of the New Living Translation but in a lot of the Bible it says it was a thousand cubits in my version it says that it was uh, 1750 feet so they've converted it to feet but a thousand cubits or 1750 feet the angel had measured out, and he said when he brought him to that place, he said the water was up to the, to the ankles. It was just a shallow stream. And then he goes out another 1,000 cubits, or 1,750 feet, and it says that that water is up to the knees. And so it's deepened. It's gotten deeper. And it goes out another 1,000 cubits, and then the water's up to the waist. And another 1,000 cubits, and it says that, that it was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in but too deep to walk through. So it comes to a place, the river of life that's flowing out of this temple, comes to a place to where it, there's no way to just stand comfortably in that river. You cannot just be, um, be content. to. You can't just stand out there and be in control of yourself. It comes to a place where you just have to release yourself to that river, and you can swim in that river, but it's going to carry you along. Depending on how, willing, how deep you're willing to go, how far you're willing to press out on that river. And then the angel of the Lord says this. He said, he asked me, have you been watching, son of man? So the prophet's been sitting here seeing this vision, and he's intentionally being led with regards to his thoughts and what he's seeing. And they're noticing the depth of that river and how it's, increasing as it goes along and then it comes to a point and the angel said but have you been seeing Ezekiel have you been seeing and it says that he led him back in verse 6 he led him back along the riverbank and said and when I returned I was surprised the prophet says I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river so here this river that's come from the temple all of a sudden, the prophet recognized there's, there's trees growing, growing all along the side of this river. Um, and it says, this river flows east down through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. Now, I want to back up just a little bit to make sure we're getting this, this, the right type of picture of what we're seeing here. It's not just about a river. It's not just about some source of water or something like that, but there is life that God intends to flow from his temple out into the world that brings life-sustaining and life-transforming power. We have access to that river. That river is available to us, but we, by our attitudes, by our own determination, by our willingness, or by our 
allowing ourselves to be distracted or caught up in other things determine to what extent we're able to experience that river and to what extent we're going to allow life to flow through us. If God were to supernaturally cause there to be a, a source of living water to, to flow from up here under the uh, scarecrows on the platform from the front of this sanctuary and all of a sudden there'd be a river of life to begin flowing down this river I mean it would be a, a spectacular and amazing and we would think what in the world our socks are going to get wet our shoes are going to get wet our responses are all going to be different and then that thing flows out the back and and this water course as it goes begins to change things and we see it and we all get caught up with there being a river and things like that I wonder what our response would be I mean, I've got a few things up here in the way of object lesson, which is not very common to me, but uh, what would our response be? Would we go grab a sippy cup? Man, I want to get a little bit of that. You know, I, I'm, I'm having a bad day today, and I just need just a sip just so I can get by. Just, my, my, I'm a little thirsty. Let me go get a little bit of a sippy cup, or we go get a sippy cup, and, well, that's all I really needed, so... I'm just going to go about my life. I got past that obstacle. I got past that, that difficulty. I was able to pay that bill. I was able to get over that cough and that cold. I was able to just get beyond whatever that thing was. I quenched my thirst for that moment, and now I'm just going to go about my life as, as usual. Would we be satisfied with just a little sippy cup? Well, I tasted. I had a little experience about God. God never intends for that to be enough. Okay, so we've got another option. We, we can reach over here, and th this beautiful picture right here, we're going to get a little bit more of that and, and dig in a little deeper and take a, a little bit. And we want to make sure that not only do we have enough for this little moment, we're going to get some that we can, can carry around with us. And matter of fact, I don't really, you know, I don't want it all the time. I don't want to be drinking all the time. So let me just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a lid on it. I don't necessarily want everybody out there to know that God's changing something in my life. I don't really want what I get to experience on a Sunday morning or what I get to experience when I get in the presence of the Lord. I don't want to let it out and let other people know. But when I need it, I'm going to keep it safe in there so that I know that I've got it for my own needs when I need it. But I just, you know, I don't want that to reflect how I live or reflect how my interactions are with other people. So I'll just keep a lid on it and keep it safe. I'm going to tell you, that living water doesn't work like that, folks. You remember how God worked with the manna in the Old Testament when they tried to get greedy and take enough for themselves and it wasn't an everyday type of experience? It spoiled. It lost the vitality. And when people type, try to take God's anointing and use it for themselves, whether that's to promote themselves in ministry or to manipulate for their own good in life, when I say God will bless you in life if you're walking with him, but if we try to take his anointing and use it for our own means, it sours. It stagnates. It loses its vitality. God never intended for us to consume what he has for us and to put it in something and try to use, make it like a magic potion we can take whenever we want to. It's supposed to be a living, breathing thing. I didn't have a whole lot to draw from, <coughs> but I found another another container a little bit bigger we got a gallon here isn't it beautiful but there are certain things when you're preparing for some people to get around at your house you don't go reaching for a sippy cup 
to take care of them on Thanksgiving. I guarantee you, when you made your iced tea or your lemonade or whatever it is you were drinking at your house, when I made coffee, it was the 12-cup limit on my coffee pot. And yes, I did make coffee. <laughs> A lot. Um, you go for the big picture. Why? Because you're not looking to dip into the river for just enough for yourself. You know there's other people that you're coming in contact with that have needs. Right? And so you intentionally make sure that there's more enough to be poured out to bless all the people that are coming around you so that everybody around you's thirst is quenching. You may be the one going to the river in our lives that's got a handle on it. You turn it on and you fill it up and you turn it back off. But the, when you go to the river, you make sure that what you dip into is more than enough to meet your needs. You're mindful of the people you're coming in contact with. Your family needs to be able to receive from that water sauce source and your guests need to be able to receive from that water source i don't know why i keep saying sauce baby rays i don't know but you go to the river and you get enough water to be able to be a blessing to the people you know that are going to be around you right so you tap in deeper you reach down and and your ability your capacity to be able to to reach other people and be able to pour out into other lives is based on how much you're Allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life and move through you. So there's a great river. Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't know where you are, and this may not be appropriate for the sanctuary, so I, I didn't leave it up there on the stage because it would have freaked some people out. But I like a big container. I mean, if you're going to go to the river, let's, let's really, let, let's, let's do more than enough. Let's get carried away. You know, let, let's, let's dive in deep. Let's get all that we can. So, I mean, I, I did put a trash bag in it so it looked a little more sanitary. But let's look into this just a little bit. I'm, I'm going to put your finger in Ezekiel chapter, chapter uh, 47, and, and let's go to Psalm chapter 1, okay? Folks, God is intentional towards us. We need to change our perspective and who we are. We're not on the outside looking in. We're on the inside looking out. What needs are out there? What can God do through me? Who can he minister to through me? There's a scripture in here and New Living Translation, so it's going to sound different. I printed out uh, the New King James also. We're familiar with the passage. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed is the man. Think of that water source. He walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Watchman Nee, Pastor Eric, you remember that one? Wrote the book, uh, Walk, Stand, and Sit. Sit, Walk, Stand. It's a progression. This person that's being in this passage, it starts out talking about blessed is a man who does not do these things. And what he's saying that we should not be doing, we should not be walking around in the counsel of the ungodly don't don't walk around and don't let your life be mingled with people that are ungodly don't take the advice of them don't live by their counsel don't consume the same information source and don't let your your life be based on the same things that the ungodly are being based on it talks about this type of person the, the person who is being influenced like how they just kind of start out just by walking around they're spending time around there and you may hear it on the television, see it on Facebook, read it in your news source, or hear it at the, the water cabinet at work, or it's just kind of a mingling. You're just kind of hearing what the world's doing. And then it says that first they're walking around, and then it says that they begin to stand in the path of sinners. 
So the progression has changed. It's not just kind of walking around and occasionally coming in contact with, but now it's come to where you're kind of standing there. You've come to a stagnant place. And then after that, it progressed along, it said, or sits in the seat of the scornful. Now there's been a change of, of uh, they're, they're no longer just walking or just standing. Now they've actually they've sat down in the presence of those people. And they're starting to interact the way they interact. And it says they sit in the seat of the scornful. So they've taken on the attitude of the world and they've begun to criticize and be scornful and talk against and share the gossip and make mockery of people who are messing up. And what they don't understand is they have been infected with the world's nature to where they become spiritually stagnant and have actually become in fellowship with the world. But that's not what the passage is really talking about. It starts out by saying, blessed is the man who walks not. We're gonna, if you want to be blessed, don't act like, be like, hang around, take on the attitude of the world. You're called to a different place. Don't tap into that dirty river. Tap into the source of life. Let me read it out of the New Living Translation. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord and meditating on it day and night. God has given us His Word. God's given us His Word as a source of guidance. It is our manual for living. There is wisdom and insight and truth in this book. It's a source of life. It's a source of life. And it goes on in, there in, in uh, chapter 1 of Psalms. It says, But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Listen to this. And they are like trees planted along the riverbank. I don't know if you'd feel complimented if I said you look like a tree. But you look like a tree to God. And that aspect, it's stability, it's strength, it's fruitfulness, productivity. They, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. And it says their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. How many of you would be willing to take hold of that last part? I want to prosper in all that I do. As long as it's something good, I want to prosper in all that I do. Everything I put my hand to, I don't want my leaves to wither. I want to be fruitful. I don't want to put forth effort into things that fall to the ground and, and become useless. I want to remain fruitful on that riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. That's God's intention to us. That's God, why God gave us the counsel of his word. And can I step just a little bit further into this? Folks, we're in a different kind of covenant. If, if uh, it's possible for people to study this word back and forward and still not live life the way God intended, we're not limited. Uh, please receive this from me in the right kind of way. But the gift that we have received in the Holy Spirit and that life being poured out to us and God's intention for the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth and to teach us the things that Christ brought to us on the earth and to lead us into understanding of those type of things. That's that river that flows. It's a vibrant living river that's out there for us to tap into, to come in contact with. 
God gave us his Holy Spirit so that we could live the life that he intended for us to live. Come on, let's go back to Ezekiel chapter 47. I love some things about this river that talks about coming out of the temple. I love God's heart because, you know, uh, you think about people settling in the U.S. and how, go west, young man, and how they went looking for prosperous land and fertile soil and places where they could plant their crops and all the loyal, the, the loyal, the, the toil and labor that went into clearing land so that they could have a fruitful field. And this was a great and bountiful land. And then they got out there to Oklahoma and there was some land that was a little bit dry. You know, there's places in the U.S. that's called the Badlands that, that they, that nothing grows here. It just doesn't work. It's dry, it's barren and you know, Israel, since they have gained their independence, um, and they celebrated their independence 70 years, not too long ago, um, but part of their plan with regards to that land that had become very barren in many places because of misuse and sometimes even an attempt just to make it barren so that it would be a hardship on the Israelite people. But they have gone back to planting trees and redevelopment and recultivation of the land and, and, and helping that land become fertile and, and vibrant again. But here we've talked about this, this river. Why would God have a river flowing out of his temple? Why would he let this issue of life go out like this? And let's go back to uh, it's verse 8 in Ezekiel 47. I love this, so catch this. Then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert to the valley of the Dead Sea. I love that. God doesn't just look out there and say, well, if I'm going to send my river out there, I'm going to send it to a place where it could be of good use. So let's send it out to where we already know the, the ground's fertile and prosperous. Let's go to the place where there's already crops growing out there, and we will, where does he send his river, Ralph? It goes to the desert. There's that old dry, barren place. Let me tell you what's going on in the heart of God. Folks, when he sees a dry, barren place, a desert place, there's no life in it, he knows that that place was not created for that. He created a garden. He created an earth that was meant to be fruitful. He created lives that may be caught up in all kinds of brokenness and addiction and maybe caught up in 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 pain and hurt and, and inflicting that on other people he sees people that are desperate and are broken and are depressed and and struggling with anxiety and having a hard time living the life that they're going through and he says i see a desert place and i didn't intend for that life to be lived that way so i'm gonna send a a tributary out that way. I'm going to send a, a river of life towards that person. I'm going to make my life that flows from my throne available to that desert place. And if there's ever been a place more deserted of life, more, more dead, representative of dead, why not a place that's called the Dead Sea? I mean, it's even called the Dead Sea. Pastor Eric, I remember you talking about going out there and floating on the Dead Sea. How many of you have ever been to the Dead Sea and gone floating on that salt-filled Dead Sea? I've never been to Israel yet. I had a rabbi tell me if I ever want to go, that he wanted to go with me. He's from out in, in uh, California, San Diego. That would be an interesting tour. More to that story. I'd love to tell you, but I can't do it. It's, it's funny, but I'll, never mind. I'll leave that for later. 
So he sends his river to the Dead Sea. And let's just look at this explosion of life. I, I read this story and it gets me excited about those people, Heidi, that are out there on the streets and the people that are struggling in those high offices and in, in, in high offices of businesses, but they're hollow on the inside and they've got all the stuff that's supposed to make you happy or they've got the fame that should propel them in life and make them really love life and live at the top of the hill. But the reality is they're dry as dust on the inside. There's no satisfaction, so it drives them to desperation and, and trying to do something more flamboyant to make them stand out once again because they're, the candle of their fame is dying out and they realize that the wealth that they do have really doesn't satisfy. satisfy so I've got to do something just to get just some more. Maybe if I have just a little bit bigger house or a, a little bit fancier, newer car or I can drive a little bit faster or maybe I can just do something a little bit more fantastic and people will notice me and I keep lavishing what I have on other people to try to gain their friendship. And they find it's just this hollow vessel. It's, it's a, there's, no, there's no life in it. There's, it's dried out. I keep trying to pour out of that kind of life and there's nothing to it. It's a dry riverbed. Try drinking from a dry riverbed. But yet God looks on those lives and he says, I just need to send some water their way. He said, the waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. You've got a hopeless situation. You've got a hopeless life. Will they ever be able to get out of that? Will they ever be able to change? Is there anything but death left for them and he says i need to send some water to that dry place i'm gonna send some water to that salty place it's not just dry it's contaminated to the point to where life can't survive there there's so much salty it can't even can't even be life can't be sustained and then he says verse nine there will be swarms of living water wherever i love it wherever the water of this river flows swarms Swarms of living things everywhere this water flows. Let it be, Lord. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will, will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever the, this water flows. Let it be, Lord. Fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea all the way from Engedi to, I'm going to mess it up, in Gilame. The shores will be covered with their nets drying in the sun. Every fish, a fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea just as it fills the Mediterranean. Listen to this though, verse 11. But the marshes and the swamps will not be purified. They will still be salty. What's it talking about? The marshes and the swamps. What's characteristic of a marsh and a swamp? Stagnant. It's a stagnant place. It's not that the water didn't get there but it didn't have an outflow. It stagnates. It's something that contains the water and doesn't release the water. It just becomes a boggy place. Folks, churches become boggy places because there's no fresh life. They take hold of what came from another day and they just want to hold it, preserve it, contain it. We're never supposed to be that way. It's about the flow of life through us. See, the reality is, each one of us may look at life and our 
energy and our dynamic and may cause us to approach that river in a different way. Some of us may have not, not be comfortable enough to be able to take the big picture and jump into that river. It's just as available to you as it is anybody else. Some of you only may be comfortable because there's an apprehension or we don't know him that well that we may want to approach with a, just a, a small little container. And I'm not judging you for that. I think there's, there's a, if you, as you taste and see that the Lord is good, you'll want to dive in all the more. You'll want to experience more. you want to see him be able to do more through your life. But you may start out and only be comfortable with just a little bit. But I just want to tell you that the, the whole key to this thing, whether you're using a big vessel or a small vessel, is that it's not the best way is not to have a lid on it and not to have a bottom in it. If you're going to be the vessel, the best way is to not have a lid in it nor have a bottom in it. Just put it in the river and let the river flow through you. Let the life of God that comes to you be able to pour out of you as well. You know what? That cup in that river and that pitcher in that river, if there's no bottom in it, both of them have the river. The same life is flowing through both. It may be a different dimension or a different, you know, this may be, you know, may appear more, more vibrant, but you may be in a position where you're not standing up in front of people. You may be praying in a quiet place or just going to the grocery store, but if you've got the river flowing through you, that river is just as vibrant and alive and of the same substance with the bottom knocked out of it as this is. It's the same life. You may not have the same personality. You may not be standing up in front of people and making huge declarations or things like that, but God can move just as effectively through this as he can through this if we let him flow through us. glad nobody was in front of me but folks God wants life to come to us and he wants us to flow through us God wants to make those dead places living places let's go on just a little bit here so who are we the, the marshes and the swamps will not be purified they'll still be salty you know there's places that want be nice no don't be nice there's places that want the appearance of the spirit of god but don't really want to change they want it to they want to feel good they want just enough they'll invite the presence of the lord and move just enough to where there's a stirring that there's a sprinkle that there's a sense of something but they have no intention i tell you what you come up against the spirit like that you come up against a place like that and they will be vile against you when you try to bring change or, or transformation or, 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 or say that something should be done differently. They will stand tooth and nail. We will not give up our saltiness. And I'm not talking about a spiritual saltiness. I'm talking about a saltiness that is the saltiness in the Dead Sea is, has to do with the buildup of sediment and things that have flown in, flowed into that Dead Sea over millennia that has not been released out of it and so there's a chemical deposit that's built up over a long time the residue of life over a long period of time that has never been cleansed or purified or allowed to flow out and so this 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 uh chemical base has developed in that place and it just stagnates all life folks let me just take a moment and, and say this every one of us 
has dealt with issues. We've dealt with attitudes. We've dealt with experiences in our life that are painful, that are hurtful, that try to break us, that try to destroy us. If we don't allow the Spirit of God to purify and cleanse those things out of our life, we will find that over time it develops a saltiness of contamination and debris of all those scars and hurts and pains in our life, and life will not be able to stay in us. We will stagnate every attempt that the Spirit of God tries to make to bring life through us because we're not willing to let go of the past. When you talk to professional Christian counselors about the greatest challenges that people have in getting free from the hurt of the past so they can live the life that God created them for, they'll talk about basically two areas. It it is unforgiveness and bitterness. Unforgiveness and bitterness. Unforgiveness comes in two different ways. Unforgiveness is a willingness to release people that have hurt us in the past. To release them and not hold that offense against them. The other side of unforgiveness is being willing to forgive ourselves for our own personal failures. To give those things to the Lord and to release them. You cannot move into what God has for you if you're holding on to the grievances of the past. So bitterness and unforgiveness. Don't let those things take root in you. The scripture talks about don't let a bitter root to have place in you. It's that saltiness, that contamination from the past. We've got to let go of it. Let the spirit of life flow through us and transform us. If we, you, you may have a lot of baggage from your past, but if you'll let that river flow through you enough, he will purify you. You know, if I took this jug right here and I, was, I couldn't do the demonstration, I wish I had, but if I had a glass container, just kind of be imaginative, okay? Dan, help us out. If we had a glass container right here and we were to pour some red liquid inside there or some kind of color contamination in there and we could put some water in there, but I wouldn't want to drink it because I don't know what that stuff is. You know, somebody told me it was lemonade or somebody told me it was Kool-Aid or something like that. I want to make sure it's a good kind of Kool-Aid. But whatever that stuff was, the reality is if I poured enough of that water in there over the process of time, it would end up circulating that stuff, and after a while, what was in there would be clear again because there's a continuing inflow with a corresponding outflow, and there would be a transformation that took place just because of the interaction with that water source. It would change the characteristic of what's on the inside. In the same way, there's not one of us who comes to the Lord all cleaned up, purified, perfect, Not one of us. But if we'll stay in contact with him, over the course of time, God will change us so that we reflect more of his nature than we do of ours. It's transformation. Come on, let's go back just a little bit. Ezekiel 47. Moving away from the marshes and swamps, in verse 12 it says, this is something that stood out. It says, Remember the the prophet said that he was surprised. He was caught up with the river, but he was surprised to see what was going on around the banks. It says in verse 12, fruit trees of all kinds. Remember we were just talking in Psalms 1 about that blessed man 
that one who walks in the counsel of the Lord, that studies God's word, how they will become fruitful. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both banks of the river. The leaves of these trees will never brown and fail. Doesn't it sound like something we've just heard about? And there will always be fruit on their branches. Their branches. There will be a new crop every month, and they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be food, will be for food, and the leaves for healing. So who is it talking about? And I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. Folks, that's God's intention for us. In this life, God's intention for us is that we don't just go get something from the river and walk away and be content. I'm going to get the one with the lid on it. God doesn't intend for us to just go get just enough out of the presence of the Lord. I'm going to go Sunday and get my tank filled up or I'm going to go, you know, to some special service, get my tank filled up so I can go home and have something for myself at my house. I'm going to put it in the closet or in the fridge and hope nobody gets my water. That's my water. That's not your water. It's his water. He gave it to you so that you could be a blessing. You know what? It's like that oil, that pitcher of oil. If you'll, if that, that uh, widow, when she served the prophet, when she gave the prophet from her last meal and the last oil that she had, she was able to be sustained, she and her household, throughout the whole drought because she gave what had been, what had been given to her rather than holding it stingy. If you give what God gives you, you'll find that there's more than enough for you. And the, 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 it's like a siphon. You start drawing on it, and the more you draw on it, the more supply there is, and it just keeps coming. It'll fill up your tank and fill up another tank, and it'll just keep on going. Just pour out what he gave you. God's intention for us is not that we just have enough to sustain ourselves in life. How selfish would that be? But God's intention that we become fruitful vessels. And it's not just about having a container and walking away. Those trees, they learned another type of secret, that there was enough of that water source to sustain life. And so those trees put roots down right there at the water source. They didn't run out of water when it got dry. Their roots went down deep, and they found sustenance. They didn't depend on the rain anymore. Why? Didn't, didn't, Didn't depend on just a little shower on Sunday morning to get them by for the week because they found a water source. Folks, God's intention for us is that you don't become dependent on a pastor for your spiritual life. That you don't become dependent on a, uh, a spiritual superhero or even the person on television. There are sources that God will bring into your life to be a blessing to you. But God wants you to learn to get it from the source. When, when we went down there to Columbia, um, I asked the interpreter the first day that we were with the interpreter, and I said, look, you know, we, we need clean water you know we, we need to buy bottled water we don't want to just be getting water out of the faucet y'all know montezuma's revenge and you know uh, th- there's all kinds of contaminants in water and things like that and you can spend more time by yourself than you would ministering to people if you go on trips like that but i said you know we need to know what kind of bottled water is good bottled water and so he started to describe to us that this is a good w- type of bottled water to buy it's a good clean water source you can trust this kind well, we went down to one of those little parks, and somebody handed me a bag of water. They'll give them out in little bags, and people will bite the end off it and squeeze it and drink it. And, but I knew that that little bag of water had the right name on it, but that little, I didn't know what water that little bag had been sitting in. 
And so I didn't want to drink that water that had water on the outside of it. I wanted the water from the, even though the water from the inside was good, I didn't know what the outside had been in contact with. And so I, I would not drink that bag of water. I wanted something I could hear click, click, click when I took the tap off, the, the cap off of it because I knew it was coming from a purified source. We've got access to the real. Why do we want to be in contact with the tainted? Now, God puts people in our lives to be a blessing to us. But, folks, the people that God puts in our life to pour into it, and I'm speaking of myself, I'm speaking of any ministry you can come in contact, whether that's on television or anywhere else, should not be a substitute for your personal experience in the presence of God, for your personal time in the Word of God. You need to know God's Word. You need to be in relationship with him for yourself. You need to talk to him. I find, you know, I, I spend time reading God's word and preparing my heart and preparing for sermons on Sunday morning. And you know what? That's not enough. The study of God's word is not enough. I have to still myself and just get quiet before the Lord and get in his presence. Knowledge of the Word and knowledge of Him is not the same as knowing Him. If somebody wrote volumes, encyclopedias of this young lady right here telling me all about her and I could memorize and parrot those things back to you in great detail describing her right down to the T, it's not the same as my walking in relationship and sharing life with her. God's intention is to share life with you. Don't settle for a substitute. So as you're growing in the Lord, make sure that you're also developing your own personal intimacy with Him, that you're talking with Him. Talk to Him about the flowers and the birds and the sunrise and the sunset. Tell Him about your victories and the hardest things that you have to deal with in life. Tell Him about the things that break you and broke you and ask for His help. He can make the salty places fresh again. He can bring life into the dead places. He can make those places that one time were a reminder of the pain of your past and make it a fruitful place that not only will you be able to rejoice in, but other people will come and draw life right from that place. Let it be, Lord. The fruit tr free, <laughs> fruit, fruit freeze. The fruit trees of all kinds grow will grow along both sides of the river. It's not just one tree. They're just all along the river. I love it. All of us have got a place there. And there will always, it says, I'm sorry, I'm jumping. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall. And there will always be fruit on their branches. They will be a new crop, there will be a new crop every month and they will be watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. Let's go back over to John chapter 4. So in verse 10, Jesus said, If you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. And she goes back into dealing with all the, the normal type of ways of getting water and 
this is what I'm familiar with, and this is the only way I know about getting life, and this is the only way about knowing about satisfying my needs with regards to water. And Jesus says, anyone who drinks of this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink of the water I give will never be thirsty again. And it becomes a fresh bubbling spring from within them, giving them eternal life. See, she, she's relating to the natural way of thinking. Everything I've tried to do in the past, it, it didn't really satisfy. You know, you've got to use this formula. You've got to use this process. You've got to do it this way. But, you know, I don't see you having any of those type of things. Because Jesus' type of living water wasn't based on all of the, the trappings of life and all. There's a direct connection. Look, he is the source. He is the source. That's why it's so vitally important. It says here, you know, if we approach him the way the world does, we're going to come with our little sippy cup, and we're going to get just enough for that moment, and we're going to get thirsty again. But Jesus says, for those who get a drink from what he is, it's not just about that type of having a little cup that we're utilizing. It's about tapping into him, putting our roots down in him, that our life becoming connected with his life. And then there's always enough. There's always enough to sustain us, to, to grow us, to develop us into what we've been created to do. It's about the bottom being knocked out of that vessel so that, that there is no end to the supply. There is no end to the supply. We're rooted and grounded in him. There's just a continual flow. It says anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. Why? Because the water that Jesus gave wasn't just a communion cup, a little sip of something, just a taste. When you drink from his water, from the life that he gives, he is connecting you to life. He's reconnecting the, you know, a baby inside the mother does not does not require a spoon and a bowl to be nurtured why because it's connected to life there's life flowing from the mother to that child when we get connected to god we're not babies in that type of sense but there becomes a river of fellowship a river of life that's flowing in between the two and we never have to be thirsty again now we can shut him off we can choose to utilize that river the old way, and just go get a sippy cup once in a while. But what a shame when we've got it continually available to us. But his intent is, and it says there in verse 14, halfway through, never has to be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Folks, when I... When I think about the body of Christ and when I think about what God's doing inside of us, I get excited about it. I was on the way to church this morning driving from down in Princeton and just started thinking about different ones in this congregation, different ones in our, in our family here. <coughs> I count it an honor, honor to be able to walk with you, to be able to experience life with you. I'm not concerned about where you've come from or what you're wrestling with or what you're fighting with. And when I say I'm not concerned about it, it's not that I'm not concerned about you. But I'm not worried about where you came from because I'm excited about where God's taking us. 
if we will just stay in fellowship with the Lord and, and encourage one another and not point out the salty parts. You know what I'm talking about? Don't, don't sit there and get all caught up in what somebody's failures are or what... We can't judge their intentions. They may stumble and fall, but they may be stumbling, intending to go forward, and they may be having a rough time. We should be coming alongside to strengthen one another. But can't we all just tap into that source of life? And if Greg's having a hard day and my tank has to be full, I can share with him a little bit of the water that I've got and the encouragement that I've got and tell him what God's done for me. And likewise, when... When I may be having a tough day, he can share with me some of the life that he tapped into for that day. God is desiring to pour water onto a salty ground. God's desiring to bring fruitfulness so that those people that are hungry and are hurting and are dying and are sick around us can go somewhere and find life. They can reach up and take hold of the leaves off of that tree and it's healing to them. And they could take hold of that fruit and say, I've always wondered what, was supposed, what life was supposed to be like. And the fruit, we know in, in Galatians talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It's actually the manifestation of His life through us that other people get to appreciate and, and experience the love and the joy and the peace of the Lord and the long-suffering. Because just like somebody expressed today, you were talking to me about your sister-in-law and how She's attended on a school bus, and she got on the school bus down in Georgia? No, Florida. And uh, she could tell the story better, but I'm going to give an attempt since I got the microphone on. But this, she, she gets on the school bus. She's attended on the school bus, and this kid looks over here and says, you're ugly. Well, so she slapped him. No, she didn't. <laughs> no. She said, well, God made me this way. And then... The kid said, well, you're fat. And she said, well, I can work on that. And he just continued trying to push her buttons, just waiting for her to react to him and do something. And she just kept talking about God and releasing life and having an, another perspective on it. And it got to the point where he didn't understand. And he finally said, who's God? You know, she, didn't she ask at one point, are you going to hit me or is he going to hit me or something like that? Anyhow, are you going to hit me? Because what was he anticipating? He was pushing the buttons he was probably used to pushing, and he knew that the outcome, the outcome that he got in the reaction from the other people probably justified the way he already felt about himself on the inside because of what he'd experienced in life. And so it was unusual for him to have somebody talk to him in a different kind of way, and so he began to ask questions about God, and he wanted to know. And she told him about there being a book that's written about God, the Bible, and that he could read that book. And at the end, before he got off the bus, he said, thank you for telling me about God. Because he was able to experience the long-suffering and the patience and the love. Because the seasoning of her walking and drawing on the river of life produced fruit in her that brings healing to the nations. That's what God desires for us. Now, we're all in a different stage of that process. But let me, let me tell you, God can produce fruit in a newborn babe. But the longer we live in that relationship with him, we should become more consistent in the fruit in our life because it should be his character being developed in us. Amen? So there's a river available to us, folks. Let's tap into that river. Let's draw deep. Don't get a Sunday morning sippy cup. Make it a life experience. Put your roots down deep. 
And let's be fruitful together and see God transform the people that we're coming in contact with. Will you stand with me? We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. When I think about us, and I said us, I, I just get captivated, I feel like, with the heart of God and with the anticipation about what God desires to produce through us. Folks, there is an answer to the brokenness of the world around us. Now, we look to Jesus as our source, but God looks to us as his agents. We are the vessels. We are the conduits through which he desires to flow. If we shut off that flow, the world will never experience the life that God has for them. So I'm praying for God to stir up the gifts that he's put inside of you. What God can produce will blow your mind what God can do through you if you'll just make yourself available. Set him free to live through you. Heavenly Father, we invite you this day. God, we are a people that believe in your promises. Lord, we believe in your kingdom power and authority to destroy the works of the enemy. God, we believe that you've given us great and precious promises, dear Lord. We know there's hope. We know there's salvation, dear God. We know there's healing, dear God. We believe in your power to transform. So, God, would you lead us and guide us and draw us into that deepening relationship with you? God, would you teach us how to produce fruit in our lives that can be a blessing to the people we can come in contact with. So in that, dear God, help us to be hearers. Yes, of your written word, but God, of your your kairos word, your Lord, your your word for that moment, that, that, that specific moment that we're in contact with, dear God, when you're speaking to us about that person in front of us, when you're speaking to us about the situations that we may be facing or they may be facing, and God, that we get to share your life with them in such a way, God, that they know that it's a supernatural thing. It's not just a kind word and not just a, an encouragement, dear Lord, but there's something that's deeper than that. It's something that's come from the source. It's come from the river. And God, we invite you to live your life, to do your miracles, to bring your truth to transform and sustain what you're doing in the earth through us, dear God. We are your people, so work through us, we pray. God, work through those sincere hearts in churches all around, dear God. Lord, may the kingdoms of men be demolished and destroyed, but may your kingdom advance, and may you be glorified in the hearts of men. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Bless the Lord.